You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome back to Under the Shield Presents Fight in Progress. Look at you. Look First at that, Tom. Tom. Tom's going to be jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we are, Joel, you and me again. Yeah, we're missing Tom. Yeah, well, I don't. He, he's missing from the podcast. Are you missing <laughs> Tom? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Uh, sometimes his face. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be back. Uh, he should be back next episode, we hope. Um, Tom's off in San Diego. Don't we feel bad for him, Joey? He could miss the exit and end up across the border. He could, and we may not hear from him for a very long time, <laughs> especially if you still got the gun in the car. Oh, Tom, don't get the donuts. Just come home. That's right. Yeah, that's what got us last time, was trying to get donuts for cops. What can we say? <laughs> um, so this is Susan Simmons, one of your hosts, and today, Joel, gosh, you're you're dual purpose today yeah. again. Yeah. I like this. I mean, you know, I can talk a little bit and if I mess up, I'll just cut myself out. That's so. a, you, you can edit it, make me say all kind of stuff that you plug in. And yeah. I'm waiting for you to take multiple podcasts and take clips of this and clips of that and make it sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Listen, Susan, that's a project of mine that I got going. <laughs> Well, we have a dear friend and someone I'm trying to remember because, again, I have chemo brain. Um, Carol, we met. How long ago was I in Memphis teaching at Memphis Police Academy? Wow. Pre-COVID. have been about six years ago. That, I was going to guess six to ago? seven years ago. Yeah. And I was there, there two or three different times, I believe. I think you came twice. I think it was just twice. Okay. Might have. I have old brains. Well, so, I have that too. Uh, <laughs> so, no, but I'm not sure. Between chemo brain and dementia, as my son likes to tell me I have, um, you know, it's a miracle I make it to the office. <laughs> I keep telling y'all, Joel, you're supposed to text me every morning. Your name is Susan. You're you have right. a new puppy in a kennel you might want to let out. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the address of the office. <laughs> and here's what you do. Um, but, yeah, so it's been an interesting journey, to say the least. But, Carol Carlson, we are so excited to have you on the podcast. I was telling Joel when I came in this morning that I find it really interesting that your book and Judy Glasser's book came out very close together. About a week apart. And there are no other books that we know of by cops moms about being the mom of law enforcement. And Joel was kind of surprised, but I told him, I said, I remember when my son was still in the Marine Corps and he wasn't married, you know, no kids, but it used to hurt my feelings because moms didn't get anything. I said, how do you people think he got here? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm glad to see, because I know it's the same for moms in law enforcement. That whether they're married or not, there's just not, it, it, there's just no attention given to parents in this. There's, you know, all kind of books on marriage and law enforcement and relationships and that kind of stuff. And um, I'm glad you guys realized the void. And again, it's two different books. It's very, two different, very different. perspectives. 
And so tell us all about you, your background, what made you write this book. And again, I told you I'm partway through it. Well, um, I, my journey started about, well, my son became a law enforcement officer in 2014. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, 2009. So 14 years ago. And um, for the first six years, he was a police officer. I did not know a single other police mom. And I kept thinking that there had to be other mothers out there. And I wondered if they felt like I did. I yeah, are these people robots or did somebody give birth to them? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how, how did this, we have a whole police department and have them all over the country. Mm -hmm. and yet I've never even heard of police parents mm -hmm. anywhere. And that bothered me along the years. I felt very isolated. Sure. And every time Memphis had a police officer killed mm -hmm. in the line of duty, I found myself feeling compelled to go to a funeral. And on the fourth funeral I went to, that one had hit too close to home. And I felt like I could not do this any longer without someone who understood why I was even there, why I felt like this other officer who I didn't even know uh, affected me so much that, that his loss rocked my world as if he was part of my family. And it hit me that he is part of my family. Mm -hmm. This is, I, I, well, I had said for years that when you're the mom of one police officer, you're the mother of all police officers. Yep. And that is something I truly, truly feel. So at that officer's sea of blue, I stood in the middle of a parking lot full of blue lights before mm -hmm. they pulled out for their procession. And I thought, I have to do something. Mm -hmm. I can't be alone anymore. So I had been posted on Facebook in several police support sites that I belong to. Um, if you're the mother of a Memphis police officer and interested in getting together, please contact me. Right. Within a week, I had 12 responses. <laughs> By the end of the month, I had about 30. Nice. And so MPD Moms was formed. We, we formed a Facebook group, but we're also a real life group. Mm -hmm. And so through that, we came together, we meet once a month and have lunch and, and just really become real friends so that if something ever happens to one of our officers, we, we already know people that will be there to support us. Sure. We, the, the thin blue line is not some mythical thing. Mm -mm. It's real. We know each other. We're there for each other on the day-to-day -day worries and when the shit hits the fan. Yep. So, now, was your son married when he first started in law enforcement? No, he was not. Okay. Okay. Um, so he was divorced at the time and somewhere along in there, well, actually after I started MPD Moms, he met the most wonderful woman I could ever have picked out for him. Nice. And... She just coincidentally happens to be a police officer herself. <laughs> That's important to moms, Joelle. I want you to know. 
getting our sons, Joelle's single, uh, getting our sons married off to the right woman, not the wrong one. Yes. Noted. Thank you, Susan. (laughs) (laughs) Mine just got married to the right woman in December. And I said, I can die a happy mom now because I don't have to worry about that anymore. He's taking care of him. Good. I'm passing the torch. And I've told her, he is now your responsibility, Haley. Very much how I felt. So I'm very, very glad that he found his beautiful, wonderful wife. And um, Are there other groups like yours around the country? Do you know? There are some. Okay. Um, there, There are several that I've been, that I've heard of. There are national Facebook groups for mothers of police officers. In fact, one that I belong to is called Moms of Police Officers. And we it is strictly Facebook group because it is national. Mm-hmm. And there are, I don't know, 3,000, 4,000 people in that group. And there's a few others like that that have a lot of members. So I was so happy when I discovered that I was not alone in wanting that connection. Sure. And the reason our group grew so fast is that right here in Memphis, there were dozens and dozens and dozens of moms just like me. We now have over 200 members in our local group. Wow. And um, they don't all get together for lunch which is probably a good thing because there's not a restaurant that could accommodate that. Yeah, um, I don't know that they'd want to accommodate that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even sure they want to accommodate the 20 of us that usually show up for lunch. <laughs> now, do y'all let moms of officers in surrounding areas join or they have to be Memphis PD? Our specific group is MPD moms, okay. Memphis Police Department moms. Okay. And we started it that way because we felt that that way we could talk about what's impacting our department, mm-hmm. what what our what our kids are specifically facing. Um, I have helped other groups around the country start groups. I have a guide um, to nice. starting your own Facebook group, which actually is posted on my website so anyone can find that good um because people need to know how to connect sure that's the biggest thing sure and actually the primary message of my book um is you're not alone yeah we're out there if there's an estimated 700 to 800,000 police officers in the country Mm -hmm. just from my own rough show of hands um at gatherings that I've done, meetings and classes that I've taught, um, it appears that about 75% of those officers have mothers living, breathing, worrying, fretting, sure, filled with pride, filled with fear. Frustration, and filled with frustration. Yes, that's it. And so that's an awful lot of moms mm-hmm. that are out there feeling alone Mm -hmm. or with questions or concerns or sharing, wanting to share their feelings with someone who truly understands. Well, I have to ask though, what are you doing about the dads? We actually, (laughs) we include our dads on a quarterly. We invite the dads (laughs) to come join us for lunch. (laughs) I have offered I've offered if anyone wanted to start a dad's group, I would oh, help them get it started, but I'm actually not 
qualified <laughs> to be. Well, I don't know now. That. Nowadays, <laughs> I'm not sure that you can't identify male part of the time, Carol. <laughs> That's true. I could do that. <laughs> Just put your hair up in a baseball cap. You'll be fine. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, you know, this, but this also brings up, because Joelle's father um, was a Chandler police officer who died with COVID in January of 21. And I don't know that there's much out there in the way of support for adult children yeah. of law enforcement. And there is a difference in, in the roles at that point. Don't you think, Joelle? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. So when Susan first brought up the book, my first thought was, I would think that the market would be almost oversaturated with, you know, resources like that. And when she said, no, it's, mm -mm. there's like two books, yours and Judy Gloucester's. <laughs> I was like, well, that's so that's so interesting to me. Um, and I just I immediately started thinking back to, you know, the police departments. I mean, they used to be tighter knit, I yes. guess, lack of a better word. I remember going to. um you know, the, the lieutenant's house, the sergeant's house or whatever, and it'll have like get togethers. I don't think that really happens anymore. Mm -mm. Um, and I think when you lose that, you lose just the the sense of, you know, meeting people with, you know, that are in similar situations as yours. And, you know, the more I think about it, yeah, I don't, I actually you, don't even know any a lot of, you know, kids of, of officers outside, it's, you know, the four R's and right. stuff like that. Yeah. And, and, you know, and that's where Joel is such a blessing to us at Under the Shield, because he can talk to cops, kids at every age because he's been there and he I has a, the ability a to connect myself. Ah. Um, so I knew I, I liked I, you, Carol. <laughs> so y'all should write a book. <laughs> we do. Actually, that's I've had so many people come to me now and say, so for your next book, you should write. Mm -hmm. You and Joel should kids. write one. Yeah, we should. I agree. I see a collaboration in our future. I do too, because um, you were picking on me last week with <laughs> with uh, our little book editor here, yeah. Natalie. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Susan, you got to get that book written. Okay, Joel. All right, Carol. Will you write it, and then I'll translate it in Spanish. We'll get an English Spanish duo <laughs> okay, thing going. Got it. <laughs> you got to contribute more than that, Joel. Sorry. <laughs> I'll write the foreword for y'all. <laughs> Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do this. Um, but as I had gone over the years with my mom's group here in Memphis and then joined the national Facebook group and so forth, that's when it hit me that I really, I have learned a lot along this journey. Mm -hmm. The Memphis Police Department has asked me, uh, well, I guess starting about six years ago, or maybe, well, it was going on when you came to mm -hmm. visit. Um, I was teaching at the academy, had a class for every academy class about how their job would impact their family. Mm -hmm. And it was something that at that time wasn't really being addressed um, here and, and isn't in a lot of places. Right. So I had to do a lot of research in order to teach that class. And I talked to officers and lots of other parents and um, kids of cops and wives and parents, obviously. And through all that, I learned so much. And then over the years, as that continued, finally felt like 
I had all this knowledge. And whereas, yes, I could pipe up and answer a question on a Facebook page or make a comment here and there that would calm someone down over a particular issue they were facing, those questions I knew had to be much more widespread mm -hmm. than that little group I was in. So that's where I decided I could put it all on paper and then it would be available for moms everywhere. Sure. And hence the book. Um, and we are and so honored to have honorable mention in the book twice that I've seen. And, and I think that's what yeah. it is. I think you'd even tell me it was in there twice. It's twice within the context of the book. And then you list it in the resources mm -hmm. as in the glossary. Which we are very honored and, and can't thank you enough. Because one of the things that drives me crazy, and it's happened a few times, is where people will write a book that use the, Under the Shield as a resource. Mm -hmm. And they will just kind of blanket thank all the people that help them and even make comments like in it, like, well, you know who you are. But why would you keep resources to yourself? Again, it doesn't have to be Susan Simmons because it could have right. been Joelle at Under the Shield. Um, it could have been any of our stress coaches. But why why not put that information out? And so we really, uh, we are honored and very much appreciate that you put that in there and that you listed us as a resource. Because, again, the more people that know, the more people that have the option to use us. Under the Shield is one of the primary resources, sources of help that I use whether it's in the book or whether it's on Facebook pages, you can't, you can't imagine how many times when somebody has asked the question, you know, I think my son is really stressed out. How can I get help for him? And I'm typing www.undertheshield.com. <laughs> we got to get Carol trained as a stress coach. Yeah. We need more moms trained, truthfully. Um, we, we do, actually. Um, so we need I to love, get you out here. Yeah, I, I would love that because... What parents and mothers in particular mm -hmm. go through is something that people don't think about. We mm -hmm. really are the forgotten family members. Yep. Um, you know, every time someone thinks about a police family, they immediately think of the wife and the kids. Mm -hmm. But in most cases, there are parents out there and we don't quit being moms and dads just because someone pins on a badge of sure. anything that kicks it into high gear sure. where you go back into mom mode like we did when our kids were little and leaving for school for the first time mm -hmm. because we know that there's danger out there. We know that their lives are at risk. Their psychological sure. well-being is at risk. Um, well, and let's face it, divorce is really high in this industry. Yeah. So there's a great likelihood that there isn't a current spouse. And there's still going to be a mom. I did a show of hands in one of the classes I was teaching at the Memphis Training Academy. And I said, okay, raise your hand if you're married mm -hmm. uh, or have a significant other, a permanent, long-term significant other. And about half the class raised their hand. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, now raise your hand if you have a mother. 95%. Uh, 90, um, sure. So it pointed out to them mm. something I already knew. 
that they needed to think about the impact of this job on their parents. Um, and, and I wrote the book for mothers. There actually is a chapter in there specifically for dads. I did see that. As there is for police wives. Yep. Um, I didn't put a chapter in there for police kids. And if I had to do it again, I, I would have. Well, you can do a second edition. Well, and that's that's something I may do because at the time, I talk a lot, a lot throughout the book about me being a cop's kid. Mm -hmm. It is so much a part of my identity. Sure. Um, it's not something you shake off. Um, no matter how old you get, I'm I'm 71 years old. Oh, you're I young. Said that out loud. You're young, but um, <laughs> but. For 71 years, I've been a cop's kid. Mm -hmm. um, my dad had joined the police, the Memphis Police Department before I was born. So I've never known life outside the thin blue line, sure. so to speak. Sure. So it is something that has made me who I am. Mm -hmm. It is part of how I see the world. I've never not considered life from the law enforcement officer's point of view. And I think that's one reason that I was able to start this group um, that I that I have here locally and, and how and able to write the book mm -hmm. because I live it, I breathe it, I've it is part of my soul. Well, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle, whether it you're is. the kid, you're the spouse, you're the parent. You know, the part that uh, that I have to laugh about thinking about being a mom, it's it's really a good thing that God redirected my child away from law enforcement. Because just, for example, when things go bad and the media is bashing law enforcement, um, you know, as a mom, there's a whole different role. I don't care if they're 50 or if they're 20. I'm the mama bear and I'm coming out. And, you know, my son has always laughed and said since he was in the Marine Corps, it's a good thing he wasn't in Benghazi because mm -hmm. he knows what his mama would have been doing. And there'd have been things on fire in <laughs> D.C. And, and I'd have been going, OK, here we come. <laughs> and, you know, I think spouses don't always I mean, I could get really defensive about my husband at the times stuff going on um, and really. It was hard as a spouse not to be able to shout and scream what he was involved in, what he was doing, all the good stuff that was going on, the drugs they were stopping, the bad guys they were getting. Right. But as a mama, you cross my child, step to the back, buddy, because I don't care if you are the cop, mama's going to handle this. <laughs> Absolutely. There was a, a time, actually, before I started MPD Moms, um, the Memphis City Council had decided in their infinite wisdom to <laughs> save some money by taking away the benefits of our police officers Good plan. and other city employees. Good plan. Yeah, it, it really worked out well. Um, <laughs> and um, so a lot of people started voicing their opinion about that and police wives and retirees, because retiree benefits were also part of what had been cut. Oh, wow. Um, showed up down at city council to share our thoughts mm -hmm. on the matter. Loudly, I would like to add, I'm sure. Very loudly. And yes. So I decided to join them. 
the first thought I had had at that time was for the first time in my life, I was glad that my dad had already died because what they had just done would have killed him. Sure. Um, he, he would have felt so betrayed by the city that he had spent his life uh, working for and protecting. Yeah. And so I decided on my dad's behalf, I was going to show up down there and give them my two cents worth. Well, that turned into attending every city council meeting mm -hmm. every two weeks for two years. Wow. For two years. And so along the way, I did get vocal and shared my thoughts. Not you, Carol. I would never have thought I'm, that. I'm very shy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's as much an introvert as I am. <laughs> Yeah, good thing we live in opposite parts of the country, Carol. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we couldn't team up too often. Oh, we'd be a force be... to be reckoned with. <laughs> Absolutely. But in one of my conversations with city council members, I said, when you are the mom of one police officer, you're mm -hmm. the mom of all police officers, and you have poked the mama bear. Mm -hmm. And they knew that I was not kidding. Mm -hmm. I was angry and I wasn't going to stop. Um, fortunately, that did work out okay. Uh, it ended up going to a vote to the city of Memphis and the citizens decided to give benefits to the city employees, police officers and firefighters that and, and what they really deserved. Uh, was returned to them. What was so your son's attitude, though, about you? Was he like, <laughs> oh, Lord, look out. Don't get me fired. <laughs> um, yes, he very much was. <laughs> like, don't, don't use my name. So the fact that he was the only Carlson in the entire city of Memphis Police Department. <laughs> See, my son has learned over all the years of he just sits back and goes, hey, it's my mother. You try to stop yeah. her. <laughs> Yeah, he, he was he was very much that way. And and that's kind of the way he's taken the whole thing with the MPD Moms group and with the book. He's like, oh, God, what's she up to now? It's his fault. He started all this. I told him that. I said, hey, you did this. That's it. <laughs> so tell us how the book is going. Have you had a book the signing? Book is, uh, I, I did my first book signing, my launch, specifically with Memphis Police Moms. Mm -hmm. And it, I felt like they deserved the first round of, of signings. Sure. And it kind of let me practice too. Sure. Um, but it went great. The book has sold much more than I had ever dreamed. Good. And, and in fact, in the first week of release, it, it's, was in it had met my goal for it in its lifetime wow within the first week awesome so what that said to me is that i was right there's moms who need this yep there's a big difference in my book and judy's book sure and my book is truly the life of a police mom mm -hmm. from the time they walk into the academy until the time they retire we go through things in life that other people don't understand sure. or know about, certainly don't share those same feelings. And it walks us through that whole journey 
mm -hmm. talks about the changes that occur in an officer in the early days mm -hmm. of, of his career and, and how mothers can see that as a positive thing. Sure. Because so many times I hear moms talk about, my son has changed so much since he became an officer and I didn't want him to change. I, I want him to go back to the way he was. And I, I tell him in the book, no, you don't. Mm -mm. You want him to be able to stay safe in the world he works in. And that requires a level of um, vigilance mm -hmm. and, and concentration on the job. Their focus is so widespread to take in everything that goes on in the world around them during the workday. Sure. And yes, then when they come home and they don't have to have that high intensity focus on every little detail, person the block away walking towards them, all of these things that they have to take in, now they can relax, but it takes a little bit of transition. Time. Yes, yes. So we talk about how to live with those changes that occur how to embrace the funny things that cops do, like always, always, always sitting facing the door in a restaurant. Um, yeah, any mom out there listening to this, here's my best advice to you. If you're going to meet your child who's a law enforcement officer for lunch or breakfast, get there 15 minutes early. Make sure you get the table where you are sitting with your back to the wall and watch them sit down and squirm and look, and then you kind of laugh and you go, you want to change places? I do that with cops out here that don't know me when I meet them the first time. I make sure I get there early just to put them in the awkward position and then laugh and go, you want to change? Oh, thank God, Susan. Yes. Yeah, they can't. Yeah, they can't, can't do, do this. <laughs> you got to have fun with this stuff. But we walk them through and, and help moms find the joy mm -hmm. in life as a police mom. It is not all worry and anxiety no. there's there's wonderful wonderful experiences that come with it there's a pride yes in our officers that cannot be matched in any other way yes I mean obviously I'm always proud of my kid but the day he pinned on a badge mm -hmm. was the the day that my heart just exploded with pride this was well, for him, it was a fulfillment of a dream. For me, it was watching my son reach his dream. Sure. And knowing that he had reached the pinnacle of what he wanted to be mm -hmm. in this world. And as they go through life in that role, there's so, so many times that that pride takes over even the worst fears sure. that we have. And, and that's what I want the book to get across is there are ways to manage our fears mm -hmm. and there are ways to celebrate the life with a police officer. And, you know, every um, parent, every spouse, every kid of law enforcement needs to go to police week before they ever have to go, meaning they know someone. I, I've been now four times and the four times uh -huh. I've been it's been because I knew someone and was close to family and whatever. And that's really hard. But every, have you been to police week? I have not. I, I actually go. 
yeah, I, I really do want to go. I was thinking about going last year and ended up having knee surgery that week instead. Uh, that was way fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Definitely would not have been my I, choice. <laughs> yeah, but because I had knee surgery then, I am now more able to go. Yes. And so actually have been thinking about going, probably not this year, but what I'm hoping next year. I've made it very clear to my son just the other day, I wanted to go to police week, mm-hmm. but I did not ever want to have to go. Mm-hmm. And, and that was, he needed to understand that. That was, I wanted to go, but by my choice, right. not because I needed to be there. Sure. And so he, he assured me that he had no plans of requiring <laughs> Yeah, you will never be more proud of you. You think you've had pride in what he does, yeah. but th- there's just, I don't even know how you explain it, Joel, because you were there as the son and there's just a level of pride because I think it's so many like minds and people there very concentrated that you really realize just how large this blue family is. Yeah, that's what oh, I was going to say. It, think of, um, you know, your local Facebook group that you got going now on a national level. Yeah. And I, I think that's why I thought, I think that's the first realization that I had that there's so many parents, mm-hmm. right, of, of officers because they all go out. Um, and that's why I thought there would have been something like what you're doing already, but. Yeah, it's, you know, I don't know if people just don't think about it or moms have been so isolated like you were that made you then form all of this. Well, and I mean, I am a cop's kid. I remember when I was a kid, life was different. As as Joel had said, we had um, a network in those days Mm -hmm. where everyone we knew was a police officer. I knew other officers' kids. I knew other police families. One of the neatest things that we did back then was the annual police picnic. Mm -hmm. We had, it was actually held on the grounds of the prison. (laughs) Was that to scare the kids into where you could wind up? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it it was property that was big open areas and uh, we weren't directly next to the buildings, but we had an annual picnic Mm -hmm. and I made friends there that I only saw there once a year, but it was, you know, this was back in the sixties and we had sack races and, uh, you know, the old, old fashioned contests and games and huge area of potluck meals we had so much fun. Sure. Um, I remember one year, my little sister won, won the home calling contest. <laughs> Only in the I South, Joelle. Only in the South, honey. Three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> this is Tennessee. Um, she she called the pigs by saying, here, piggy, piggy, piggy. <laughs> and, and she won. Uh, so <laughs> then you go up to Arkansas brilliant. and they really get into this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> of camaraderie that I've not seen Mm -hmm. since then. And there were hundreds of police officers, hundreds and hundreds of police officers there, you know, and they did canine demonstrations and all of these fun kinds of things. Sure. 
and those relationships that I had with police families, I took for granted at the time. Mm -hmm. And now all these years later with my son as an officer, there's nothing like that that takes place. Well, they think family day at the academy before graduation is the yeah. equivalent, and it's just not. Well, and, and in fact, when my son joined the police department, they weren't even holding the family day oh, wow. at the academy. Uh, so there was not any opportunity wow. for me to have met other family members. Um, now, they have reinstated that here in the last year or so. So I'm very glad that they're doing that now. But at that time, there was no connection mm. to other police families at all. And, and I just knew that there were other mothers out there like me who wanted someone who understood to be around and to, to share these feelings with. Sure. Um, so that's why I started the mom's group and, and that led to the book. I'm going to give you another good but, idea I want you to run with. Mm -hmm. And you can give me credit. But anyway, um, I, think, <laughs> I think there needs to be a conference. For law enforcement families, meaning uh -huh. parents also, because really the only thing that is like that is cops, but your child has to die in order <laughs> yeah. to go yeah, to that. One has to go to that. Right. Yeah. And, you know, what a great opportunity, because I think parents probably have more of an opportunity to attend something like that than say spouses do because you've got kids to take care of and work and all those other things. But to me, I think parents would be very motivated to come to a conference somewhere if it was done for a weekend. And you have people like yourself, you know, under the shield would love to do a training at something like that, where we talk about the stress and that kind of stuff and what you can do about it. Um, and to me, because I've never heard of anything like that, no, I haven't either. So, and I think that's a great idea. You you put it together and you hold it and I'll come to Phoenix. I knew she was going to pass that off on me. <laughs> and then I'll translate it, Susan. We're good. There we go. <laughs> yeah. But you have to do the Spanish in my Southern accent oh, and Carol's man. Southern accent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Otherwise, we don't understand it. But you've got a group of moms that I bet would help coordinate something like that. I'm not sure. Really? Um, but, well, you know, we all get caught up in our lives. And, and whereas we do have more free time, which is why this works so well. Sure. We can come together. Um, a lot of our moms are, are the caretakers of their officers' children. Right. right. While they're at work. And, and so we may be retired, mm -hmm. but... Very often, our second job is taking care of the children of our officers. Ask that, and though, in your national forums. How many people would be interested? That would, well, and we have gotten together in our, nas in our national Facebook group. Mm -hmm. um, we have had a retreat that we referred to it. And we had a, not a huge group, but we had a good number of, of police moms come together for that. And we had speakers and we had a lot of fun. This was held in North Carolina two years ago. Mm -hmm. and we haven't done it since then simply because we haven't had anyone step forward to organize it. But ask them, um, you know, get a consensus of how many yeah. would come if under That's the shield. Yeah. 
did something along those lines because we have talked about hosting some type of a conference. You know, we have the perfect place out here. We just can't do it in June, July, August, or September uh, because nobody coming then if they're smart. Um, But, you know, to be able to put something like that on that we could even have it where there's stuff for the officers, there's stuff for spouses, but there has to be a very specific thing also for parents. For parents. I think that would be a wonderful idea. I'll ask. Please do. Because I think that's something that we could all benefit from. Mm -hmm. Anytime police parents, and I include the dads in that, that we can come together makes us stronger. And that's that's truly the message in the book. Um, the, The book, by the way, I don't know that I actually said, is titled Life as a Police Mom. Guidance and support for mothers of police officers. Mm-hmm. But it does include dads. What we found is that dads are not as vocal right. about, I mean, they, they process things differently. Men are just a whole different breed. Amen. <laughs> Amen, Joelle. Um, Amen. <laughs> you know, they can't help it. I know, they really can't. <laughs> no argument. <laughs> You know, in my trainings, I say now, Carol, I don't think I was saying this in Memphis, that I I tell every couple that comes to us and in the trainings, I go, this is biblically sound. Men are born stupid. (laughs) I get no arguments from the men. They're all in there laughing and nodding. And I go, "That's true." probably should say simple because maybe that's the same but it, it's the truth and it is biblically sound. But they, and I think the pride level is different for a dad yes. and a mom. Yeah. And I, I think that's I, important. I do address that in the book, whereas I talk about how moms want to talk out our worry and we want to share that with people. I think dads process that, that concern. They certainly are concerned about their kids. Sure. Um, but they process it differently. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that go out in the workshop and beat the heck out of a piece of lumber Um, or (laughs) or go hit a golf ball or go shoot something on a range or yeah. Yeah. They, they, they want to do something with their worry. Mm -hmm. Whereas moms want to talk about it. The dads want to do something with it. Sure. Um, I simplify it by describing moms are talkers, dads are pacers. Mm -hmm. Um, but the movement, the action is how dads work out their worry and concerns. And yet still, when they have an opportunity to come together, they don't immediately start talking about their worries and their feelings and all, but they build that bond in their own way. And so anytime you can bring parents together, Mm -hmm. It, it gives them that connection with someone who understands. And that is just as important for dads as it is for moms. Sure, sure. Um, well, I think there's dads. a pride of, you know, they brag about things like their son's recalls on the range and the right. arrest that they made. And a lot of moms, I mean, that would be me. You know, I bragged about my child and all the cool stuff. Heck, I'm the one who bought him his first AR-15. Um, <laughs> and I'm the one who took him to something called Sniper's Paradise, where we shot guns, long guns prone for two days on Mother's Day weekend. Best Mother's Days ever. Uh, but I, I think dads are, are more of in that vein where most moms are in the vein of worry and 
you know, how's this going to affect them and all of those kinds of things. And so they do process it very differently. Yeah, they do. But yet when the proverbial shit hits the fan, mm-hmm. it helps them to have connections as yes. well. Yes. And um, I think that's something that would benefit families as a whole. I've been told immediately that my next book needed to be Life as a Cop's Kid. Mm-hmm. And and I may, in fact, play with that idea. And Here's so your co-author right here. Collaboration yep, here. here's the co-author. Well, <laughs> there you Let's go. do it, Carol. Yeah, we, we may have to work on that. Um, but I think in a police family, we see the world differently. Mm-hmm. We process the world differently. You have to. Um, we we there's so much that is different, and even my sister certainly. My son's aunts are concerned about his well-being. They worry about his safety. But and they too are cops' kids. But they don't understand that feeling of why it affects me when another officer mm-hmm. is injured or killed. They don't understand that there's not a day in the life of a police mom that you are not in the back of your mind, no matter what you're doing, you know, is your son on duty or your son or daughter on duty? Are they not? Is it time for them to get off? We, we have an awareness of what's happening in the community, in the world, what's going to endanger our children. Sure. And um, it's something that I don't think anyone outside of a police family can truly understand. Um, well, I, I think know. there's another aspect that comes into it nowadays, especially in the last, let's say, five years, because I yes. remember when my son really thought he was going to be a law enforcement officer. And in my trainings, I even talked about a line of duty death would be horrible, but it would be honorable. My yes. biggest fear for the first part when he thought he was going to do this was a fear of him going to prison for doing yes. his job because departments are throwing him under the bus. This isn't something I don't think parents had to worry about when you were the daughter of a cop. No. It has and that's become almost more of a reality of what can happen on a day-to-day basis than the line of duty death. Yes, it and the likelihood, well of course I am in Memphis. Yes. This is hit home big 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 time here recently. Yes. Um but, yeah, there's things like that that people don't know that we even are aware of, mm-hmm. they're not aware of, that that we have on our minds all the time. Um, in the book, I address police-involved shootings and, and what that can do to a person's emotional well-being, psychological well-being, physical well-being and career mm-hmm. and um it can be career ending for doing nothing other than trying to save someone's life or sure. or your own life and and yet you can find your career is over mm-hmm. because of something that you had to do in your job well and that was something required I, to do i was talking to a phoenix officer yesterday and i said the other thing that really bothers me is when officers are injured in the line of duty 
and the media puts out that they're going to be okay. My first question is, but is it career ending? Yes. Because again, they, they may be okay, but you're talking about, well, we've got Tyler here at Phoenix. He was shot and severely injured, really wasn't supposed to live. And he is a miracle. Um, within the first year and a half, I taught him in the academy. And you go, you know, will he ever be able to return to work? It, it's pretty doubtful, but he is alive. And he's learning to walk again and swallow and all of those kinds of things. Awesome. But, you know, again, a year and a half into a career, and now that's done. That's probably right. over. Or break your pelvis or break a leg, have a knee replacement. You know, people in the general public just assume if they say, oh, they're going to be okay, that means that they're going to be back on the job. That's sure. not necessarily true. Yeah, the, the degrees in which a person can be impacted by an injury mm -hmm. um, or, or even the, the psychological aspect of that, I mean, kind of getting to the under the shield mission there. Um, I am so glad y'all are here. I'm so glad under the shield exists. Well, we're honored to help any way we can. That, that kind of help is needed far, far more often than people realize mm -hmm. to have a, a way to get the emotional, psychological support to be able to work through the trauma of the job mm -hmm. that is invaluable. And as a mother, to know that that's available, whether it's through Under the Shield or wherever they find, we don't, when our kids, I can guarantee you, when we're watching our kids walk down that aisle and take the oath and pin on a badge, it never occurs to us that they're, that the psychological damage that this job can take can change that person or end their career in a heartbeat. Sure. And one of the things about the officer-involved shootings that I, I want to point out, too, to people listening that are parents or spouses or whatever, but at Under the Shield, one thing we have found in 31-plus years, it isn't the shooting that is usually the issue. It is usually the impact to someone else that they couldn't get there fast enough or yes. someone was injured before they got there, whatever, or the yes. impact of kids of having to take parents away or seeing yes. their parent killed. And that's the part I think that too much of the mental health world misses. It's mm -hmm. an assumption this person shot and killed someone. Well, the reality of the matter is they're trained to do that in the job. They're trained right. how to, when to, where to, why to. But nobody talks about the impact of the feeling responsible for someone innocent being hurt or killed before they could get there. Heck, the person's probably going to probably dead before they even get the call. But they take that on. If only I had been here, if not only. here. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a, a huge impact. And um, there needs to be resources for our officers. And one of the things... That, that I feel most strongly about is that we need to work towards changing a culture that officers need to feel comfortable talking about the things that are traumatic mm -hmm. in their jobs. Um, my latest soapbox is 
is related to officer suicides. Mm -hmm. And the fact that if we don't change our culture to make it okay to talk about suicide or the thoughts of suicide, the things that may lead an officer to consider that, we can't make it okay to talk about the lead up to that mm -hmm. and what may be on an officer's mind. We have no hope of preventing suicides. Well, and again, we that's a big part of what we do here at Under the Shield. And actually, I have added a title to myself because someone else added a new title. And I thought, well, that doesn't really work for me, but is suicide preventionist. Yes. Because we can talk about suicides after the fact all day long, but it hasn't prevented anything. And I can tell you right now, because people can come to us and tell us that and have no fear of us reporting, because we don't have to, is right. sleep deprivation is at the center of everyone that has walked through our door who has yeah. had those thoughts. And when we can get them sleeping in 48 hours, typically, things turn around. It's not about mental illness. It is not right. any of that. Yeah. It is good people that haven't been given the proper tools to empty the garbage can, first recognize right. it, right, and that impacts them physiologically, which in turn affects their sleep, and things are only going to deteriorate. I had an officer come in one time, and he told me, he said his job, he was in his dream job, and I mean, the minute he walked in, I could look at him. He was in a dark place. And yet his job was, he was in his dream job. And I said, how are things at home? Wife and I have never been closer. And so it was really freaking him out that he couldn't pin it to something as to why he was in this dark place and wanted to die when everything appears on its surface really good. And I said something about when's the last time you had a good night's sleep, which they typically laugh when, and they're like, huh, what, what did you say? <laughs> and he had been working on wiretaps. And I know what that means. Those were long nights and days and weeks and months. And I told him, I said, give me 48 hours. And I gave him the natural stuff we recommend. He called me in 48 hours and he said, I didn't know life could be this good. That's what sleep deprivation does. It makes even the best of things seem really bad. And yes. when they can't come up with an answer as to why, and they never think about that because very few people are teaching this. They don't identify that sleep is that important. But if you want to control somebody's life, control their sleep. You can control their mood. That's an interesting concept. And, and I hadn't really, I know you talked about that when you were here. Mm -hmm. um, but that's something that I hadn't really given a lot of thought to. I just recently took a suicide prevention <laughs> first aid class uh -huh. is, um, through the uh, Tennessee Suicide Prevention uh, association or whatever it is, I forget. But um, but what did they really teach? That, it was prevention, and or or was it really an awareness? No, it's prevention. But what did they it teach is, to prevent suicide? Um, how to talk to someone. That's really where we were. Is at that moment. Um, intervention. That's is, intervention. That's the right word. That's the right word. But they, yes. they still will call it prevention because really if it's prevention, um, you keep them from ever getting to the place where you have to do an intervention. That's true. That that's the problem true. with terminology these days. I want to add to something. So, you know, going back to like the things that you're doing and why I think it's so important. And we've had previous guests come on, especially lately. 
And the overall theme is the sense of there needs to be a culture change, right? And within the departments, within the community, because realistically, the community itself has changed. Mm -hmm. So, yes. you know, when, again, when my dad was police officer, he, like, I, I saw these changes because early on when I was, I think we we talked about it in, in the podcast I was on, but when I was a, when I was a young child, you know, something that you're proud of, you know, say that you're son of a police officer. And then as the years progress, it got a little more risky. Right. Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah. My dad, I ain't got a cop for a dad. Right. <laughs> but, you know, it's not something that you'd necessarily throw out there, but like it, it, it just kind of shows you the change in the community. Right. And it goes from people that were once supportive and proud and, you know, were always thanking officers and just first responders in yeah. general, right? To now they're turned their backs on them. Yes. I mean, com community resources, even if it's as simple as a meetup for brunch, yeah, that's mm -hmm. a sense of prevention before mm -hmm. intervention yes. because they feel that support. They feel, you know, and it gives, it gives it's another resource to just vent out or... You know, maybe you hear something about, you know, one officer from or your officer from another family because, you know, they vented to their coworker. Sure. You know, right. just those are signs. That's that's more of the prevention. Yeah. And when you look back at suicides, even in law enforcement way back, mm -hmm. alcohol almost always was involved. Well, why would yes. the officer tell you they're drinking to help them sleep? It helps me yeah. relax. Now, it's a false narrative because it really makes their sleep not effective because it's sedated. But this goes back to the very foundation of what suicide has been. And sadly, what I want to hear people saying more is the mental health world has to change in order yes. to be able to help the culture. Because until it is safe for officers to go in, and I know you talk about this in your in your book, and I had kind of made some notes about it, and then you went on and explained it a little bit more. But the mandated reporting makes it a fear for them, yes. no matter what, because, again, their perception, and perception is reality, is if I say anything that even heads down that road, I'm going to lose my badge, my gun, I'm going to be sent, as they say in New York, to the rubber gun squad, or I'm going to be sent home. And the reality of the matter is, that's exactly what is happening in departments. And they'll right. come take all their guns. And you go, do you understand? Are you going to take their knives, their scissors, their pencils and pen? Because, you know, they can kill themselves with that, too. Or they can jump off a bridge or they can overdose or drive their car into the pilings of an interstate, which is what has also changed the suicide that we have found, too. That now they're planning their line of duty deaths. Because they want their families taken care of. Those are cognitive functioning people. Those are not mentally ill people. No, it needs to be a specialization. I mean, it does. And I was, and you say it all the time. And the more I think about it, I mean, there's, you have to be specialized to work specifically with couples and family. Yep. You have to be specialized mm -hmm. to work specifically with anything substance abuse. Yep. You have mm -hmm. to be specialized specifically work with athletes. Yes. But then this mm -hmm. as a lifestyle. It, it, they're and just substance hiring. abuse, they prefer you be a recovering addict, which right. I agree with 100%. Mm -hmm. But 
everybody in mental health thinks they can deal with cops because they've got a degree and they've got their doctorate and what. No, if you hadn't lived it, you don't understand it. Yeah, you really don't. And um, and that's why I do refer people to Under the Shield. Um, Under the Shield and um, First Responder Support Network are my two go-to referrals. Okay. Because those are people that have been there. They live that life. They They know everything from the language to the pit of their stomach mm-hmm. uh, and, and that feeling that lives there. Sure. So I think there has to be that culture change. It has to be, it has to be okay to talk about it. I think it has to be okay for all of us mm-hmm. to talk about the mental health of our officers, for families to be able to talk about it, for officers to be able to talk about it. And then certainly in the mental health world, those counselors, those credentialed people need to know the culture mm-hmm. if they expect to help someone in that position. I was and so excited. There's a new group here, probably came in about a year ago, and we won't call them out because I hadn't had a chance to really talk to them, but they are, had a whole thing on the news about their first responder program. And I was so excited because they approach it from a lot of different avenues, not just counselor, psychologist, psychiatrist, medication. And then at the end of the news story, the next comment was, and we also treat the public. And I went, all right, that kills that. Because, again, cops hear that and their first thought is, so I'm going to go sit in a waiting room with people I might have taken to community bridges last week. Yeah. (laughs) And I thought, you know, even at the vets, at veterinarians, we separate cats and dogs. (laughs) We're smart enough to know. Don't put those together. So you might need a way to separate if you're going to have a first responder program as well as deal with the general public. You might want to separate those groups out. You know, we have doors here at Under the Shield that we can have somebody go out where somebody else is coming and they never have to pass. Even though they're all first responders. It's still that fear of someone knowing they're talking to somebody. Those are the things that do need to change. But that's the part where I go, oh, I thought they got it, but maybe they don't really get it when they think they can put them all in a waiting room together. Carol, I got a question for you. If you were to address officers, Uh, basically all our viewers, (laughs) um, but if you were to address officers, because I think you're right, I think, you know, the parents out there, especially moms, are the, you know, forgotten piece to, you know, that that support puzzle that officers have. So if you were to have an ask for officers, for all the officers listening, what would be that ask? Like what what something that they could do differently, like keep you guys involved? What's that look like? Well, I think the most important thing is to accept that your that your parents are worried. Mm-hmm. And one of the strongest messages in my book is that a parent's worry is their responsibility. They do not have a right to put that responsibility on their officer. Um, they cannot expect their officer to protect them or to change something so that they don't worry so much. That's that's not okay. No, you're shutting Parents, them down in doing that. They just won't tell you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so my message to an officer is to know that that worry is there. 
and to give it a nod, to remember to say, I'm okay, mom. Mm -hmm. When something happens, call your mom, mm -hmm. let her know you're okay. Um, she should not make her worry something that you have to think about, but you should recognize that it's there. Just give it a nod. Sure. Assure her that you're okay when you have the opportunity after a critical incident occurs. Um, when things slow down a bit, call mom and let her know you're all right. Um, Have an assigned and, person too. This, because this is what we ran into with Chris Ferrar when he was killed, mm -hmm. was where are his parents? Who knows where they live? And they had recently moved. Well, fortunately, uh, one of the officers had helped Chris move the parents, so oh, he wow. knew well he was on duty. But if he hadn't been on duty. Nobody would have known to have even reached out to him. But on emergency yes. contact forms, you know, yes. I'm big on spouses filling that out. But parents mm -hmm. should be included as to who would they be, Absolutely. who do they know that they would be comfortable coming to give them that kind of news. Yes. And make sure you know where the parents live, people. That's a very good point. Because that's um, not on emergency contact forms, I guarantee no, you, in any agency around. I, I, talk, I talk about that in the book as well, that. Um, if an officer is married, his emergency contact is a spouse. Right. And so moms wonder, how will I know? Who will tell me? Mm -hmm. Do I have to depend on my officer's spouse in a time of crisis to remember to call me? Right. Um, is yes. that really going to happen? And most of the time, at least here locally, they're very good about including all family members in a notification. But certainly it's the next of kin, mm -hmm. which would be a spouse in many cases, uh, comes first. And so moms do worry about that. Sure. And so officers, I think that's a great idea to put emergency contact information for both your spouse and your parents uh, on well, Dave Glasser, Dave, big Dave Glasser even yeah. addressed that in our last podcast. And he said, you know, that if it hadn't been a situation of someone in the squad contacting him, he'd still be sitting there waiting to hear. Right. right. Because again, he and Judy were in two different places at that uh -huh. time. And so, you know, just recognize just because you get married it doesn't eliminate your parents out of this <laughs> out of this loop here and we don't That's always right. have spouses and parents that get along sometimes mm -hmm. the spouse is hard to find right. uh, and so again why not just list everybody again we don't have to get into siblings and cousins and grandparents and all that stuff <laughs> but you right. cover parents and spouses and and everybody else is going to find out yes yeah and i think yeah. that's and important that is important. And so really that's that's my word to the officers is just remember that your parents are there. Give a nod to their worries. Um, stay in touch. Let them know that you're okay. And not just in a crisis situation, but on a regular basis. Um, my, my key phrase is call your mom. Mm -hmm. And whether it's good times, bad times, or just mundane days, call your mom. Tell them the Talk funny to stuff them. too, you know, yeah. and, and families have to understand the sick sense of humor 
don't lecture when yes. they make fun of right. things that everybody else would be going, ooh, or whatever. But right. recognize. And again, that to me is where parents don't get any kind of real training about that sixth sense of humor is a very healthy coping mechanism. Yes. And we've yeah. actually found studies that show when officers, firefighters, paramedics, whoever use sick humor, the body sends a message to the brain, this has no power over me. It's the kids' stuff, and now body cams are limiting all that also because they can't use sick humor like they used to because they get disciplined for it because departments are listening to stuff to try to screw with their people. Um, and it's it, But families have to understand that because if you, if you lecture them the first time they use sick humor, they'll never do it again. And right. it's important that you you're can shutting do that. them out. Absolutely, uh, that is that is who they are now. Mm -hmm. And if you judge and are critical of the things that they do, they simply will shut you out. They're not going to change. Sure. They're not going to accommodate your worries and your opinions. They are who they are because that's who they need to be. And they and, get enough and, criticism from all the the Facebook. <laughs> cop patrol people that have ever been a oh, cop right. and, and their supervisors and their administration and everybody else. They need people on their team and that's who they'll talk to. And when they, when you support and don't judge and don't criticize, educate yourselves on this stuff. And that's where parents your book's so important. And, well, and parents need to be the safe place. Sure. Um, that's, that's our role. That was our role from the time our kids were born. Mm -hmm. And we need to continue that. We need to be a safe place. There's times that we need to be strong when we don't think we can be. But I'm here to tell you, you can. Sure. Um, I've gotten that call in the middle of the night at 1.30 saying your son is going in for surgery. Mm -hmm. I needed to let you know. And in my case, it was when he was in the military. But um, it's the same same scenario in the police. Sure. You have to be strong. And by thinking about these things and talking about these things, you have a better, you're better equipped mm -hmm. to, to have that strength when it's called upon. You have resources available. That's one reason why in my book, I have 16 pages of a glossary giving resources for everything from, you know, how to, how to have fun at a police gathering to how do you handle the worst nightmares. Sure. And those, the ability to equip ourselves mm -hmm. with knowledge is where our strength can come from. And I hope that the book, Life as a Police Mom, will give people a step towards feeling prepared sure. to deal with the bad, enjoy the good, and remember, I think the primary message of the book is you are not alone. There Absolutely. are thousands and thousands and thousands of us out there ready to support you. That thin blue line is real and we're sitting right on it. Absolutely. Uh, we are a network of supporters for other police families and a, a mom or a dad or a spouse should never feel like no one understands. And we'll make sure the links are there together. for your website 
and Perfect. all that. They can get the book also on the website or Amazon or or, or on Amazon. Okay. Yes. And some bookstores are starting to carry it now. Great. Um, and any bookstore will order, order it for it. you. If you want the paperback version, ask a local bookstore to order it. It is available for them, even if it's not on their shelves. You can Terrific. get it. Great. Well, and we'll have you back as time goes on and as we see you and Joelle start this second book and we talk a little <laughs> bit more about a possible conference and stuff that would include parents and, and siblings, because I do think that is important, especially nowadays. And, you know, we just can't thank you enough, first, for writing the book, seeing the need that's there and filling it, because, again, the need has been there for generations, yes. but it. I'm sure nobody thought to step up and do it, and and you have done that. And now Judy Glasser has has done her book from the perspective of when the worst thing happens in law enforcement, yes. and that's a very important uh, aspect of it. And so we'll get you back here again and talk about the other things that will be coming up. I'm sure, as you, I don't see you just sitting down and going, "Okay, I've written my book now. I don't need to, I don't <laughs> need to stir the pot anywhere else and do anything else. I'm good now." Um, but we really do appreciate you taking the time to to come on today with us. And you know, as we wrap things up here at Under the Shield and Fight in Progress, parents, if you're listening, you are part of what we do that you don't feel like you can't reach out to us. You can reach out to us. Siblings of law enforcement, any relative of law enforcement can reach out to us because this is a lifestyle. It affects everybody in that officer, firefighter, paramedics world. There are different roles, different ways that it's affected. That's why all of our stress coaches have done it, been married to it, raised by it, or given birth to it. It, you have to have some level of understanding of the lifestyle, and it's all different perspectives. And so don't think you can't reach out to us because you can. And our toll-free number that you can call 24-7 that you will talk to someone uh, if you hit extension 1 is 855-889-2348. And again, if you hit extension 1, you will get a stress coach. Let it ring till someone answers it may be rolling to a stress coach in Alabama or somewhere else, but you will get someone. Now, if you want to talk to me, you can hit extension two. David Cohen in Alabama is extension three. Uh, Tom Hobble here in um, the Phoenix area, our other co-host, is extension four. Or you can call my cell number or text me at 334-324-3570. We'll make sure Carol's website and everything is listed with this podcast so you can reach out to her and ways to get the book. Um, please know that this is what we're here for. We never ask your name. We never ask. The only thing we may ask is which of the uh, specialties are you? Are you police? Are you fire? Are you paramedic, EMT, military? We want to make sure you have the stress coach that is closest. We, we try to match things at the lowest common denominator. Um, so again, this is where we need to get Carol trained as a mom of law enforcement. We need to get more parents trained in this. And it's a 40 hour certification that we teach out here. We may even be doing one in May. Uh, I'll keep you abreast of that, Carol. And please do mention it. Uh, also, when we get the dates on it, maybe you can put it out on the forum with the moms because there may be others. We can never have too many of you. 
And we just want all the first responders, military, and their families that are out there to know how much we appreciate the sacrifices you make. Families make sacrifices people have not even a clue about. TV never portrays the sacrifices <laughs> that law enforcement and first responders make. And you miss a lot of birthdays, a lot of anniversaries, a lot of kids' games, a lot of stuff that goes on um, because of your commitment to serving the pop population wherever you may be. So thank you for that. God bless you. God bless your families in this great nation that we live in. Joel, thanks for sitting in as the co-host and the producer again. You're welcome. And I'm just glad you're going to be writing a book with Carol now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stay safe out there, and uh, we hope you'll come back and visit us again at Fight in Progress.